Welcome to the Easton Library, where reading is a way of life. So today's table of contents will include the best and worst of 2020, including the Book of the Year Award, Jennifer's pick for the Book of the Month, the Good, the Bad, and the Underappreciated, and then we'll find out what Jen and I are reading And then we will wrap it up with the Easton Book Club, which, of course, you are all welcome to join us in reading that book. So let's start with today's quick question. Jennifer, my dear, if you could be one character from any book and exist in the world of said book, who would you be? I mean, it would obviously have to be somebody from the Harry Potter world, because who wouldn't want to live in a castle and go to school and learn magic tricks and learn how to defeat the bad guys. Yeah, and pretty cool part of the world, too. The castle is awesome. All the enchantments and whatnot would be kind of neat. Yeah, um, I guess I would agree with that. It would be hard not to pick, like, a magical kind of thing like that, so I would probably agree the Harry Potter world. Um, Also, though, I'm a big Stephen King fan, as Jen knows, but many of you may not know. Um, So I think it would be kind of cool to be... Roland, uh, the gunslinger, and that would be in the Dark Tower series. Um, the problem is that you would also be living in his world, and it'd be a pretty tough existence. So maybe that wouldn't be the best people to go with, but I don't know. It'd be fun to have magical powers. Yeah. Who would you be if you could pick to be one of the wizards or witches? Oh, I don't know that I could pick one. You wouldn't be McGonagall? I mean, McGonagall's pretty cool and all, but... McGonagall or Hermione would be a good choice. Mm-hmm. I don't know. My my immediate feeling is to go with Voldemort. I knew you were going to say that. I don't know. I test out as mostly a Slytherin slash Gryffindor, so I guess that I yeah. guess that makes sense. So we're going to talk a little bit to start off about 2020 in review. Um, so first, how many books did you read in 2020, dear? I read 65 books in 2020. 65 books. That's crazy. Um, so, start us off. What we got? Um, well, I'd like to start off by saying that 2020 was kind of an unremarkable year of books for me. There wasn't a book that I was just so excited about that I needed to tell all my friends about. Um, it was just kind of a mediocre year for book choices. Okay. So... What, you're going to tell us just about a handful of the ones you really liked or didn't like? Or yeah, a mixture um, or what? I've chosen like the top ten, but from different genres, okay. uh, just to kind of go with the best that I read of that. Again, nothing that's super like, you need to read this right away, but all pretty good books. Okay, great. Lay it on us. Um, so I have State of Wonder by Ann Patchett. Um, and I have a review of that book on the website. So if you're interested in anything Ann Patchett, I would suggest checking that out. What else has she written that you know? She's of? written a lot of books, um, and a lot of literary kind of people really enjoy Ann Patchett. I have trouble getting into her. Um, she's read or she's written one called Bel Canto, which I thought would be like the best of both worlds as far as music and books go. Um, but I just could never finish it and I picked it up three or four times. So I really did enjoy State of Wonder by her. So I would suggest checking that out. Okay, great. Well, explain our, your philosophy. We have slightly different philosophies on starting and finishing books. So go ahead and explain, because because you don't finish a book every time. If mm-hmm. you can't get into it by 
what, halfway through, quarter of the way through? Yeah, if I'm, you know, halfway through and I'm just not interested in it and it's taking me a really, really long time to read it, then I just drop it because chances mm-hmm. are it's not enjoyable for me. Whereas I'll struggle with a book for a year if I have to, um, which doesn't happen super often, but once in a while I'll pick one up that just I, I just crawl through because I find it uninteresting or I fall asleep at night when I'm reading it or what have you. But I just think there's too many books out there to be stuck on one for so long. That's an Good take, I think. All right. Um, so the other one that I have on my list is called Still Lives by Maria Hummel. Um, and it's kind of a book that takes place in the art world, which I'm not familiar with because I don't really appreciate art as much as some people do. Um, but it was kind of, uh, it, takes pla- it takes place in Los Angeles at one of the big art museums. Um, and one of the artists does this whole photography series on famous women crimes like basically crimes that involve women. Um, and she kind of recreated all of those, but then the artist goes missing. Women perpetrators or women victims. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so mostly homicides mm-hmm. um, and things like that. And she does this crazy whole um, kind of review and takes all these pictures of these crime scenes. Um, but then she goes missing. So the whole kind of story is about trying to find her and seeing if, you know, something bad happened to her because of her art or because of other reasons. Cool. Great. And we will try to warn you guys about spoilers, um, you know, in any of these books that we're suggesting, uh, so far so good, I think, but it's kind of hard when you've read a book to not offer some sort of spoilers, I guess, but, um, you know, minimal plot spoilers aren't that big a deal, but obviously we will try not to, you know, divulge any of the main moments or climaxes from these various books. Uh, next one is Great Believers, right? Great Believers. Um, this takes place during the AIDS pandemic of, in the 80s. Um, and it kind of talks about, it was, it takes place in Chicago, which was kind of a bigger city back then as it is today and how quickly that spread, um, and how people had to deal with that in their lives. And then it spans the course of years and years and it's, um, current day is like 2012. And they talk about how kind of the survivors of that get together in Paris of all places and have a different kind of adventure. Hmm. Cool. Um, one of my nonfiction picks for the year was Demon in the Freezer by Richard Preston. Um, and that one is really interesting because it talks about all of these communicable diseases and how America is trying to keep them under wraps. And it goes from like the anthrax scare in the 2000s to, um, smallpox to all kinds of different, um, you know, communicable diseases. And we see how the government deals with them and how scientists deal with them. And it was just some pretty unique perspectives. Interesting. And that's kind of relevant in today's day and age, living through a pandemic kind of gives yes. you a, you know, a little bit of an idea of that. And I read that one right as the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of interesting. Another one on my list that kind of ties into the pandemic is Year of Wonders by Geraldine Brooks. Um, And it talks about this small town in England who kind of decided to self-isolate during the first plague. Uh, So they were the first town of their type to do that. And it was kind of this revolutionary idea that no one understood because they didn't understand how diseases really transferred. Uh, So it showed how they kind of lived throughout their year of plague, but just with their small little community. And where did that take place? Uh, England. Oh, in England. Mm-hmm. Small town. Out, so outside Black of Plague London. kind yeah. of thing. Okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. 
Oh, that's interesting. And we also watched, um, I've read, I don't think Jen's read The Stand, but we watched The Stand at the beginning of the pandemic too. And um, obviously not even similar, but fun kind of scare, <laughs> fun to scare yourself once in a while. So uh, we got a few more on your list, I think, right? Yeah. Um, so Book of Lost Names, uh, Kristen Harmel is on my list. And <laughs> I think your it, phone's ringing. <laughs> And, and this is extra funny because I, right before we started recording, I silenced my phone and says, you know, it would be really awkward if uh, you had somebody call, especially if it's, I think that's your mom's ringtone, right? I uh, know that's just my general. Oh, your general ringtone. How embarrassing. Sorry, I thought <laughs> no, I had that off. You're totally fine. All right, a couple more books on our list. Um, Book of Lost Names is one of my top picks for historical fiction. I really love historical fiction and I always kind of generate to or read towards that kinds of genre um, and World War II especially. And it had been a while since I found one that I really enjoyed. Um, so that one was one of those that I really enjoyed from last year. All right, great. And that was Book of Lost Names as a World War II, you said? Yes. Okay, very cool. Um, that Incidentally, that's Jen's favorite genre is historical fiction from the World War II era. Um, from all different sides, whether it be talking about the Nazi regime or whether it be talking about the, the persecution of the Jewish people and their stories or or any of the geopolitics involved. She kind of just likes it all. Yeah. yeah. You could probably consider yourself an expert at this point. I don't know I think, I think if you've read 10 books plus on a specific subject, you're considered an expert. So that would put you like a quadruple, quintuple expert, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, so that's a great choice for that. Uh, just kind of a different idea in historical fiction, which is kind of hard to come by these days because those are kind of pouring out of the publishing houses, I feel like. Um, another one is My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell. Um, and it kind of, like, you always hear stories about, like, um, pedophilia and molesting relationships and don't really understand kind of both sides of those. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I myself find, you know, myself questioning, you know, well, how could you even let that happen? How could it get to a place where it's that bad? Um, but I think my dark Vanessa kind of shows the small steps that it took to get there. Um, and it's about a <clears throat> teenage student who goes to this uh, private school and she ends up having an affair with one of her professors. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it shows a really good depiction of all sides, like the parents, the teachers, the other students, and even her. Wow, that sounds interesting. I may have to pick that one up. Yeah, I think that was a new one that was released last year, too. said My Dark Vanessa, that's the That's one? correct, wow. yes. Neat, neat. Um, another one that I have on my list is kind of, as far as I get into romance, I'm not really one for reading about romance, um, but this one's called In Five Years, and it kind of takes, um, it gives you like this alternate reality um, I guess, depiction of this girl who thinks she has everything figured out, who she's going to marry, where she's going to live, and kind of her perfect job. Um, but then she wakes up one morning and it's all different. Mm. Um, so then the story kind of switches back and forth to her perfect reality and her alternate reality. And we kind of figure out which one is the true in five years situation. Oh, interesting. Kind of a choose your own adventure, but with two options. Yes. And one is good for her. One is maybe not so mm, good. Gotcha. And you don't know which one's reality. You're no. just kind of along for the ride. Correct. I won't <laughs> give away any spoilers towards the end. Um, but throughout the book, you don't know which one is correct. Oh, wow, that's kind of cool. 
So I think, uh, do you have any more on your list? Um, I do. It's called The Hours by Michael Cunningham, but I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. So I will hold off talking about that. Put that that one off. Okay. So let's talk the best and the worst of 2020. Um, so this is kind of a good, good year to talk about bests and worsts, right? Because, uh, it was kind of a best and worst kind of year, you know, there are some good things. You got to spend some time with your family and time at home. And at least we consider that a good thing. Hopefully you do too. Um, but then the bad are pretty obvious, you know, the quarantine stuff, people getting sick. And and then of course, all the businesses and schools shut down. And so it's a good time to reflect on the bests and the worsts of 2020. So uh, why don't we start on the down? Let's start with the worst. What was your worst book of the year award? What Worst Uh, book you read in 2020. Well, I am kind of bad about taking recommendations from people. Like, I will read anything that anybody tells me to read, um, which sometimes is surprisingly a good thing, but other times it's surprisingly a bad thing. And that was the case with my worst of the year. It was called Underland, A Deep Time Journey by Robert McFarlane. Um, And I was kind of introduced to it. It's a science, you know, total nonfiction book, but I was kind of introduced to it as you know, he was able to weave in this whole nonfiction world of exploring the underland, you know, the rock crevices and the, you know, you know, underground parts that I don't really have words for because I'm not a scientist. Um, Caves. (laughs) Caves, maybe, yes. Uh, But they had said that he kind of wove those into talking about, you know, like the catacombs and all parts of these underland things from history, which I do enjoy. Uh, but I just couldn't finish it. I think I got about halfway and it was just too much. And that was a nonfiction you said, Correct. right? Correct, yes. Which tends not to be your favorite, but you, you do read. Yeah, I do enjoy nonfiction, nonfiction but... if it's something that's interesting. And like I said, I've been pleasantly surprised by some nonfiction choices, um, but this was not one of them. Hmm. So you would not suggest Underland, A Deep Time Journey by Robert McFarlane. I mean, if you're a geologist, maybe, but okay. for the commoner, no. Has a specific uh, specific clientele, yes. huh? All right, well, then that brings us to the best of the year. Who gets your Book of the Year award for 2020? Um, so from what I read, I really enjoyed American Dirt by Janine Cummins. Um And it's kind of this story, it's a fictional story, but it's based on real events that continually happen of an immigrant moving from Mexico to try to get to America. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that immigrants, especially within the past year or two, have kind of just gotten this, like, you pick one side or the other. You know, you either support immigration or you're totally against immigration. Um, But I think that the book was a really good kind of depiction of what some immigrants go through. Um, and I myself is, I've always kind of supported legal immigration, uh, but the book kind of gave a perspective showing how sometimes it's not always possible to achieve that. Sure. Sure. Understandable. So what did you like specifically about that book besides the perspective that you just talked about? Um, I really like the perspective and I always kind of enjoy something that makes me think about things a little bit differently or just makes me think about things in general and maybe try to research it a little bit more. Okay. Okay. Um, and Janine Cummins, I also read another one by her called The Rip in Heaven, which was a true story about what happened in her life. Um, so I think she's a really good author. So I would definitely check her out. Great. Janine Cummins. Uh, what else has she written? Do you know? Uh, the top a Rip in Heaven is the other one. I think she only has those two. She may have another one. Great, great. So go check out Janine Cummins, American Dirt, who gets our 2020 Book of the Year award. 
So, this is a, a cool segment that I kind of like. You can tell this has my, my thumbprint on it as opposed to Jen's. <laughs> um, but the good, the bad, and the underappreciated. So, well, the way we're going to run this each episode is that we're going to alternate. Uh, so, she'll have the good, I'll have the bad, she'll have the under underappreciated, and then the following episode we will switch and I will have two, and you will have one. Yes. So, why don't you start us off with the good? All right. So, like I had mentioned before, um, I read The Hours by Michael Cunningham. Um, and I picked this book up because it won the Pulitzer Prize in 1999. Um, and I always kind of like to add those into my, uh, you know, what I'm reading just to kind of see if it's worth all the hype. Um, and I really enjoyed this one. Uh, it's kind of rare for me to pick up a book and read it and then want to just read it again right away. Um, and this was one of those because there were just so many things that I think I missed the first time because I didn't know what to pay attention for. Um, so he did a really great job. He had like three different perspectives. They were three different women who were kind of living in different time periods. Um, and he was kind of trying to convey their struggles with like loneliness and depression and just kind of the desire to have to fall into these stereotypical gender roles. What are the um, time periods that? He was addressing. Um, so they go all the way back to the life and times of Virginia Woolf. Um, mm -hmm. And one of her characters in a novel that she wrote um, called Mrs. Dalloway's. I'm sorry, Mrs. Dalloway. Um, mm -hmm. And so it starts off with that perspective and then it goes all the way up to like current 90s. Interesting. Period. Very cool. So what else did you like about that book? Why was it good? I mean, just besides the content, obviously, and, and that kind of thing. I mean, was it well-written? Obviously, won a Pulitzer, so probably. It was definitely well-written. Um, and like I said, it made me kind of think about things and made me like want to go back and try to figure out how something went together that I hadn't really recognized the first time through. Mm. Um, and he was just a really good writer. Great, great. Well, I get the bad this week, and um, the bad book that I read this year was uh, Elevation by Stephen King. Again, I'm a big Stephen King fan. I'm almost always reading a Stephen King book. Um, I own almost his whole collection, um, but this was not good. This was a bad book. Uh, basically, the reasons for it being a bad book were the the main character Scott was not interesting he did not develop he was a very static character um he didn't really he only faced one very specific problem in this book and he didn't necessarily have to solve the problem it was just one of those things where he had to come to grips with it um which of course affected then the plot it was a, a odd concept which a lot of Stephen King stuff is kind of strange but it was predictable had predictable plot lines it had no climax uh the character development was lacking um I think there was only one character I liked in it Dr. Bob I enjoyed him, and he was the only character that I really found kind of any affinity towards. Um, yeah, it just wasn't good. And then the pacing was bad. It was a very short book, a very, um, I mean, it's sitting in front of me. You can see it's a very tiny little book, um, but it had no pacing. You would think for a book that short that it would feel like a short story and would have, you know, a beginning, a middle, and an end, a, a climax, some character development, but it didn't have any of those things. So, and especially for Stephen King, who normally is very descriptive and long-winded and that kind of thing, it was just very, very disappointing. Um, and then it was also predictable. The ending was predictable and anticlimactic, I thought. Um, 
So that one I would suggest. Um, again, though, it is short, so if you want to see why I thought it was bad, feel free to pick up Elevation by Stephen King, but that's the bad. So would somebody who doesn't typically like Stephen King because he goes into so much detail like this book? Um, it's hard to say because the reasons I like Stephen King were abandoned in this book. Um, and it doesn't have to be necessarily long-winded, but but plot development and relationships with characters are part of the reason that Stephen King is so good. You know, he's very good at, at making you like or hate a character and for specific reasons. And in this one, you just found yourself indifferent to all of the characters. Um, so no, I wouldn't say it's a good representation. I'd say there's a lot of other good Stephen King books that are slightly longer that maybe aren't as long winded. Um, one of which you read, but I don't think you really like too much the eyes of the dragon, but that's a little bit better representation than this book is of your typical, um, Stephen King and why I enjoy his stuff. Um, but anyway, so that's the, that's the bad. So what is the underappreciated for this episode? Um, so I chose The Book of Lost Names by Kristen Harmel. Um, and again, a World War II story, which I typically love. Um, and I think that she just did a really good job of bringing to light a new kind of spin on that. Um, something that I'd never read about before, something that was just kind of a new idea. Um, and I think last year I looked up the number and I forgot to write it down, but there was like a record amount of historical fiction books being published, uh, during the pandemic, you know, so in kind June of an and July. oversaturation of not great material. I think so. You know, and everyone's trying to write the new best, uh, Nightingale or mm-hmm. Night. Um, but I think that her book kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. Um, and I think it was a really good read. Great, and that's the one we talked about in your yes. top 10 list. So if you want to go back and see why that was underappreciated, then go ahead and scroll back 10 minutes. Um, so that brings us to what we're reading now. What are we currently reading? Uh, why don't I let you go first, dear? Um, so I'm reading The Chanel Sisters by Judith Little, um, and it is a story about Coco Chanel and how she grew up during, I think it was like right before World War One, and how she kind of got, start, uh, got started as being an orphan and then rose to kind of the fashion icon that she is today. Wow, cool. Um, and then I'm also listening to an audiobook called Mexican Gothic um, by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. All right, and all of these things we're talking about, I think uh, Jen has pretty much done write-ups on all of these books. Uh, so if you want to go to our website and check that out, we'll put the link in the description and you can go check those things out and uh, we'll keep that updated pretty well so you can see the things that Jen's recently read and currently reading. Uh, what I'm reading right now is Dead Zone, another Stephen King book. Um, so far, so good. I'm about halfway through Uh and unlike Elevation, good character development, um, interesting concept. It was a little slow at the uptake. It was kind of the first third of the book kind of crawls along. Um, but I'm starting to see why a lot of that setup was done, which is also one of the things I really like about Stephen King is he knows how to set up a climax and set up a story to really get you when when that moment comes, when either the twist ending comes or when the climax comes. So, um, But anyway, good book so far. I've never seen the movie, but my understanding is there's like an 80s movie, uh, 80s or 90s movie uh, about Dead Zone. So I will probably watch it afterwards, but have not as of yet. So um, we also decided we'd feature a cookbook every month. So we love to cook, um, and 
did, what did I, this birthday gift, I think? Yes, that was a birthday gift. Okay, so Jen uh, and I watch a lot of Chopped, which I'm sure many of the families listening do that as well. Um, and one of the judges is Alex Gornicelli. So Jen wanted her cookbook, and I ordered it, and what do you think so far? I really like it. Um, I think we've made three or four recipes from it so far, and everything has been really good, but also pretty easy for a home cook to make. Yeah, and it seems like she designed it for home cooking. It's yeah. not your high-end French difficult recipes. It's right. things that you could do in the oven mm-hmm. or, you know. Um, we have one in particular that we have a lot of pork chop and Brussels sprout recipe that's excellent in that mm-hmm. book. Um, and then what's the other one? You Empanadas? Empanadas, you know? yes. Poblano Empanadas. Ba- Those Poblano are very good, empanadas. too. Yeah, so if you want to pick that book up, um, I think it's a little high-priced, you know, for a cookbook, but it's also brand new and one of the premier chefs uh, right now on TV. And so kind of makes sense. But we've, we've found it to be worth it, even just with the three or four that we've tried. But everything else in it looks really good. So um, if you want to check out a cookbook, Cook With Me by Alex Gornicelli. So we, uh, let's see, we're going to do a book of the month each week or each month rather. And January's book of the month is by Sue Monk Kidd. You want to tell us about that? Sure. Um, it's called the book of longings and Sue Monk Kidd is kind of very famous for the secret life of bees, which I think a lot of people had to read in high school. Did you have to read that? I never had to read it, but I knew people who did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is a newer book by her and it actually explores, uh, the life of if Jesus were to have a wife. Um, and kind of what that would look like, especially in that time period when it was very uncommon for a man, you know, about 20 years old to not have a wife, um, and kind of took her role in that whole, um, you know, his whole life and the things that he did and why there wasn't a prominent woman mentioned, um, and kind of explored the idea of what if there was, you know, what if Jesus did have an equal or a partner that he went through and did all the things that he did with, um, and how that would look. Hmm, that's the Book of Longings. Uh, I have not read that one, but Jen excitedly told me about it a number of times because it sounded like a concept that I would appreciate. Um, so very cool. Kind of a neat neat perspective on a historical religious mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, And she's definitely done her research. So it's not like she's just kind of throwing it out there and not knowing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, she's definitely studied religion and theology. Hmm. Is that her background or? I don't think do you know? so. I think that she just took an interest in it. Interesting. Good, good. So that's January's book of the month. So this next segment, we are going to make a monthly book club. This is the Easton Book Club, and we're all going to read, Jen and I, and then all of you are going to read a book together, and then we're going to discuss it and there's a couple rules here. No spoilers in the comments until we have discussed the book in the show. So today we're going to announce what this month's book, book of the month or Easton Book Club book is. <clears throat> and then after we discuss it next episode, you can discuss spoilers and things in the comment section. But don't do that beforehand because hopefully people will read along with us. Um, so no spoilers in the comment section for the book club in the show. Um, <clears throat> so obviously after it airs, totally fine. Um, this month's book is... Ready Player One. Ready Player One. Um, don't watch the movie before you read the book. And if you have watched the movie, don't think you've read the book. 
They are very, very, very different. Um, this is one that Jen and I have finished reading now at this point, but we won't get into that till next episode. Um, but the movie is nothing like the book. Um, the movie's to... good. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. The author of that is Ernest Klein. Ernest Klein, yes, thank you. Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. And actually, I think Ready Player Two is coming out or has come out. It has come out, yes. Okay, so we're going to maybe maybe we'll address Ready Player Two at mm-hmm. some point, but Ready Player One. So go ahead, get that book, read it for next episode, and we will discuss it then. Um, but I enjoyed it. I think it's a very cool book, mm-hmm. and I'm excited, excited next week to talk about it or next month, rather. Um, so that will be the book for February, and then our following book, who will let you get ahead of the game if you've already read Ready Player One. Uh, March's book is a psychological thriller, um, and I have not read it yet. I'm going to probably start that next week, but it's called The Wrong Family by Taryn Fisher. The Wrong Family by Taryn Fisher. All right, I look forward to it, and then that will be the book that we discuss after we read it in March. Um, we will keep announcing things about two months in advance so you guys have a little bit of a chance to catch up and, and read things so that we can discuss them together. So I think that that concludes the final chapter in today's episode. Thank you for turning it, tuning in to the Easton Library where reading is a way of life. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a like and share it with the book lovers in your life. Yes, definitely. And don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. This has been Kenny. And Jennifer. Thanks for checking us out. It wasn't so bad, was it? (laughs) You did great.